The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, my special guest is Deborah Jane Wells. Deborah is an author. She has written the book, Choose Your Energy, Change Your Life. When you fall in love with yourself, everything else falls into place. Sounds simple, but I think she has some things to tell us about how we can make that happen that may not be so simple. She's a life coach and an organizational consultant. She spent about 30 years in business as an organization consultant, working as a senior partner in some very high-level consulting firms. And her life story has brought her to where she is today and has produced her book, Choose Your Energy, Change Your Life. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Cheryl. It's great to be here. It's nice to have you here. So where are you today? I am in Aurora, Colorado. Hmm. So how close is that to Boulder? Yeah, it's close, honey. We're in Aurora, got mm. plenty of water, and we're close to Denver. So yeah, it's been an exciting few days here. Oh, um, we usually pray for rain. Now we're praying for it to stop, and it has, and it's I sunny, bet. and it's lovely, and I'm grateful. Oh, that's good. I know it's never easy when we have those kind of natural forces at work that uh, are making it a little inconvenient and sometimes deadly. So we're glad you're okay, and we're glad you're able to be here today. So, you know, let's talk a bit about how you got to where you are. You know, I'm curious because you spent a lot of years in a field that's near and dear to my heart, organizational consulting, and you worked at some of the big four uh, consulting firms, and your role there was what? Uh, well, in over 30 years, I had many different roles. Um, my final roles, I was the global chief knowledge officer for Deloitte Touche Tomats. I was a uh, senior leadership partners globally and regionally for uh, at Deloitte, at Pricewaterhouse, PricewaterhouseCoopers, Towers Perrin, um, and Anderson Consulting. So I had a variety of roles, often in building practices as I developed more experience. I made partner in my first firm when I was 30 and uh, went on to lead practices in all the other firms around the world. That's quite an accomplishment. It seems like that would take a lot of drive. Yeah, it, it did. And, you know, I, I, people always ask me, so how did that go? And I say, well, when you start your life with a near-death experience, um, you know you're in for a wild ride. And so I actually had, I had my NDE at birth. In 1954, when I was born as an RH factor baby, and you know, in those days, they it couldn't assure the survival of an RH factor baby. Right. So, you know, hours after I was born, the doctors came in and told my mother they had to start transfusing all of my blood. They might have to do it more than one time to get it to take, or I would be dead, you know, very shortly. And so I set my 
uh, reputation as an overachiever at birth because it only took one transfusion with me. And yeah, right. I said that should have told us something right there. And 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 this I only realized of I don't know in the last year that that part of what happened is instead of receiving that experience as a great gift and a blessing, I somehow processed it as an obligation to earn my right to be here every day because after all I was operating on borrowed time and someone else's blood and so I got the idea pretty early on that I had to pack every day with productivity and I was fortunate the universe gifted me with very strong left and right brain so it gave me it gave me tremendous gifts and tremendous drive to do so and I suspect always somewhere in the back of my mind there was literally this life and death survival thing behind at least those first 55 years. Right, um, so right. Imagine you had a little fear of death thing in there maybe. It wasn't conscious, but I know, I know it had a lot to do with how I approached things. And so how did your parents, you know, how did they parent you with that as a backdrop? You know, what, do, you, do, do you think that they were more careful with you? Do you think, I mean, how did that affect your childhood? You know, I don't I don't think they were more careful and sort of coddling of me. Um and and by the way, I never remember them setting up this idea. You know, parents sometimes in a stray moment when they're trying to manage a child, it can be tricky. We'll say things that they later wish they hadn't. Sure. I don't ever yeah. don't ever remember them saying, You ought to be glad you're here. Yeah. Um it, yeah. so we are not gonna lay that one at their door. Um but I was you know, I came from a family of very hardworking, um, mm-hmm. you know, middle class people who had come up, you know, through the ranks and made their way. And so, you know, I fit right in. I was, you know, that, that overachieverhood. Not, there were no slackers in our household. So, um, I, you know, that was, that was the way things were done. We yeah. were all hard workers. And so that was part of the approval process. That was part of where, you know, there was, it was, um, the way things were it was it was almost as if failure was not an option it it was the family culture you and i would yeah. say that that you were expected to do the best you could with what god yeah. gave you i know i heard that right. phrase pretty often and right. and i was i was known for doing that right um, right and 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 oh by the way that same culture that i encountered in my family there's a reason why i was so popular in those big consulting firms because that's yeah. their culture too is Absolutely. work 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 and boy did i did i understand that model yeah yeah you know having that kind of success at such a young age um i'm wondering even before you felt like you know you were done with all of that cuz you said you first time you turned you Term partner, it was thirty. You were thirty. Is yeah, that right? I was thirty. Yeah, I, that's... yeah. I, it. I mean, I graduated my graduating class from high school. I graduated number three out of six hundred. I earned a full academic scholarship to college with a degree in abstract math. I finished college in three years instead of four. Graduated summa cum laude. Got mm-hmm. my. You know, there's that's there you go. That's it. That's sure. that's that. I call that the hamster wheel approach to life. You know, and <laughs> and those of us, those of us who are really gifted. And have the drive to do so. We get on that yeah. hamster wheel, honey. And yeah. the next thing you know, thirty, you know, fifty-five, however many years later, yeah, I was eighty pound, morbidly obese, um, dangerously so. Ended up clinically mm-hmm. depressed for ten years. I was a poster child for baby boomer mm-hmm. burnout. Mm. Do you think this is um, more 
normal than not these days? Oh, yeah, I do. I saw so much of it. And, you know, I had an ulcer by the age of 19. I was anorexic at 19, which people find ironic when I became obese later. But it's, when you use food to fill unfood needs, it's not uncommon at all. And I sure. saw a lot of it around me. And the irony was that as a, you know, organization transformation was my focus on the HR side of the house and, and other areas and did a lot of coaching, did a lot of of executives and teams and people. And so I was actually coaching people who were going through it. Great irony, you know, physician heal thyself. Um, And so, yes, I think it's very common because we confuse busyness with purpose and, and we do it for so long that, you know, that, that lie takes over our life and we can't stand the way we're living, but we feel powerless to change until life stops us in our tracks, which is what happened with me. And then along the way, you must have had relationships, love relationships, etc. How did that work? Well, I married the first time at age 21, um, was married for 17 years, and ended up deciding to divorce very quickly, you know, broke, I'm, I'm a bit of a rule breaker. I mean, in an odd way, I'm a rule follower, but a rule breaker. So, you know, the rules all say, do not get hooked up with somebody right away when you're going through a divorce, but I met mm-hmm. someone who fell in love. And, um, and so I married a few years later and we've been together now, oh, over 20 years. So, you know, I, I married twice. Um, it, you know, I don't really know that the working all the time because I married people who worked hard. So that that norm sort of fit. And, um, and particularly my current husband is very, very supportive of my career. Um, and so, you know, I think I, I think that it took its toll in relationships in terms of personal relationships because yeah. particularly in the later years when I was living the road warrior life of the traditional consultant where you leave on Monday morning and if you're lucky you come home on Friday night and then when I had mm. global jobs I'd be gone three weeks at a time. Hard to sustain, you know, hard to go out to dinner and lunch sure. with friends. Hard to, I'm a singer, I've been singing since I was two and a half, hard to join any crowds or sing in anything. And so basically in the end, I kind of, all I had was work. I just wow. worked. I would so, go years at a time with no real vacation. I believe that. Um, so I love that you were you've been singing since you were a kid. So where does that show up today in your life? Where do you, where do you sing? Um, one of the things that I started to do, I sing in a variety of. Um, I've sung in a, almost every church I've been involved with through the years. I actually directed a production of Oklahoma at a retirement community. Oh. But the entire cast was over the age of 50. Um, That was fun. Um, And I sing, and I've started to bring the singing back into this work in the world. So along the way, I realized that, you know, me adding to the mix when I'm doing, say, an inspirational speaking event or something, me actually singing some inspirational piece of music, and there's some amazing inspirational music out there, would be a lovely thing that I would enjoy doing. So I'm incorporating it into my uh, speaking and coaching work as well. Oh, really? How do you use it? I mean, I can I can see that you are when you're in, you know, doing a keynote or something. How you could weave that in? Um, how do you use it in your coaching work? 
Well, I think that I, it doesn't take the form so much of me singing with people, but I have a really strong creative aspect to my life. So I also do quilting. I actually had a small arts business when I first retired. That was the mm-hmm. venture that I had initially. I taught a variety of different forms of art. I taught pottery for the city of Aurora. I, so helping, I think one of the things I really came to understand, and my book talks about this, talks about you know, when we, when we feed all of our senses in a healthy way, no one of them takes over trying to fill voids it can't hope to fill, mm. like we tend to do with food, you know. But when we don't, and this doesn't just apply to the five outer senses through which we celebrate our external world, but through what I identified as four inner senses through which we imbue our experience with meaning. And so those are creativity, vitality, spirituality and belonging. And so the role I have found creativity plays in burnout for people, when people start to engage themselves in the creative endeavors that they may have done as kids that maybe weren't appreciated or that they just haven't, they lost time for over time, that it really starts to restore health. And for me, it was an important step in getting me back in some kind of alignment. Mm. You know, you said you retired in 2005, right? And yes. then you say that in between 2008 and 2009, you really kind of hit bottom. And I'm wondering what went on with you between the time that you made your declaration, I'm retired, and the time when you really felt like, I'm done. I can't do anymore. What, what was going on during those years? Well, the first thing was that I was probably panic-stricken most of the hours of the day. I mean, I was being treated for severe depression and anxiety, um, and I'm not one of those people where the drugs really help. In fact, I tend to have idiosyncratic reactions. So, you know, I once had a psychotic reaction to an antidepressant that helps lots of other people, but for me, the walls moved. It was not pretty. So, you know, I was really struggling, and so much of our self-esteem traditionally is tied to our relation, who we, who we think we are. And we define that as our relationships, like I'm so-and-so's mother, I'm so-and-so's wife, I'm so-and-so's sister, I'm so-and-so's boss. I'm, and also our careers, what we do in the world. It's the first mm-hmm. question people tend to ask you at a cocktail party. All what right. do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't mean what do you do for fun, typically. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, so, you're right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, whereas if you, you know, if, if you meet me, I probably would be asking what you do for fun now. But, um, and so I think I really flailed. I mean, at first I enrolled, um, American University has one of the premier uh, organization transformations master's programs uh, run by NTL. And I actually enrolled in that, was accepted, did a few courses, loved it, was doing, you know, of course, me, I was getting A's, um, and um, loved it, but knew and had this idea that I would start my own organization consulting firm. And honey, I was so burned out that it only took about two classes to know I was in no shape to do that. So then it was like, okay, well, what do I do? So we moved to Colorado. When my, um, my son went off to college, we moved to Colorado. And, you know, I really didn't have a plan for the first time in my life. And for a girl like me, that's about as scary as it gets. Mm, um, and I, and I, I, I immersed myself in creativity because somewhere my intuition must have been starting to finally, you know, be allowed to break forth. And I just immersed yeah. myself in every creative endeavor I had loved as a child. 
because um, my my mom had, had sent us to summer school every summer. And when you're when you're an academically accelerated student and doing well in your grades, there aren't really the traditional classes to send you to. So I studied art every summer until I was 16 and went to work. Right. Um, and so I had art and music, and and so I went back and explored art and ended up teaching um, art. Um, and ended up trying to make a business out of art, which was kind of tricky in that economy. Um, but what it really did was start to heal me. Um, and then in 2008 and 2009, which I, I talk about this in the book, when I talk about hitting bottom, uh, three loved ones died in three weeks, and uh, two of which I gave the eulogies for. And, um, and a wonderful thing, my husband um, who had been looking for work for two years, he had been home raising our son until our son went off to college. He went, he went to Washington, D.C. for what was supposed to be a three-month assignment, um, and he came back three years later. I mean, he came uh, back p- periodically, but, sure. I mean, he got this amazing opportunity in Washington, came back three, working with Elizabeth Warren there, um, working, and so I got left all alone. So this is, what, this is the path to healing. We're going to take the clinically depressed you know, morbidly obese, utterly burned out woman who doesn't have a clue who she is. We're going to leave her all alone with the only person she's never taken care of herself. And we're going to see if she sinks or she swims. Well, we're going to find out when we come right back with Deborah Jane Wells. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be? Or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're speaking with Deborah Jane Wells today, author of Choose Your Energy, Change Your Life. Okay, Deborah, so you've given us a great picture of your childhood and your young adult life, successful in the consulting world, and, and also you've brought us to the point where um, things didn't work so well for you. You retired and there was burnout, and now you're looking at what's really next. How are you going to do this? At that point where you feel like 
you know, I, I, I've got to figure out what's going on with me. I'm wondering, you know, how did you know to immerse yourself in art? How did you know to start reaching back into the things in you that you used to love? You know, not everybody has that capacity, would, would be able to think straight enough to be able to do something like that. What, what in you made you able to do that? Well, I would say the deepest divine wisdom in me. I mean, I, I would tell you, I didn't think my way to that one. That was too brilliant for, to think my way to it. And so for me, when I talk about discernment, that involves both intuition and reason. Reason is a lovely thing, but we tend to uh, worship it in our society and in many societies well beyond intuition and we tend to try to use it to validate intuition before we let ourselves follow it and frankly to me what I've come to understand is that's like using a kindergarten education to validate a PhD because your intuition is much deeper much broader much more it's much more brilliant and so I don't take credit for that intellectually I think that my intuition came through I I I think I I think I figured out I was happy when I made stuff you know, that's, mm-hmm. uh, I was happy making stuff and I, right. and I just started making, and I, and really, Cheryl, I was hanging on by my fingertips every yeah. day just to live another day. And so when you get broken open that far, then, you know, it was a moment of grace that I, that I got the insight to do that. And then of course I tried to turn it into a business right away because that's what I knew how to do. So that <laughs> took me off what could have been a pure healing path, but that's all right. I yeah. learned lessons from that too. Um, but you know, that's, that's how that happened. That's fascinating. You talk a lot about um, moving from fear to love, um, moving from destructive fear-based endeavors to constructive love-based endeavors. You talk about genuine self-love, and you talk about fear-based self-obsession. I'm particularly curious about the concept of fear-based self-obsession. What do you mean by that? Well, one of the big, you know, one of the big objections that people have when they first encounter my writings and teachings and work, and, and one of the first hurdles that I have to help my clients get over is the idea that falling in love with yourself is the same as um, self-absorbed narcissism. And the reality is, if you've ever met a person who loves themselves unconditionally, and I mean all aspects of themselves, the parts that thrill everybody and the parts that drive you all nuts, then you'll understand those people are the antithesis of narcissists. They show up with a spring in their step and a lightness that brings an energy that helps encourage everyone and infuses life with optimism. And so, you know, that's the difference between that and the self-absorbed narcissism of, of, you know, I have to perform all the time. I have to perform. I have to achieve. I have to do. I have to always get, you know, if there's only, there's just only so much good to go around in the world. So I have to have the top position and I have to have the biggest bonus and I have to have the most toys and I have to have the, you know, you get it. My kid has to get the best grades. And, right. um, and that's that, to me, that's, that's the difference. Are you able to help people to define that in themselves, to really be clear about that part of themselves? Yes. Yes. And, and we do that. Um, we, we make it concrete through something I call the discovery framework. So mm-hmm. when I went through my own transformation, and my own transformation started with, with showing up for myself 
on the physical front. So I, you know, one day I, I call it a divine download. One day my husband was off in Washington. It was not clear when he was coming back. You know, they kept delaying and delaying and delaying. And I'm, you know, whining and complaining and, you know, and, and miserable and still trying to figure out flailing about what I'm doing. And it was like, not like an auditory voice, but like, you know, one of those moments when you observe yourself. And I said to myself, you can sit at this counter and keep pissing and moaning for the next who knows how long about how all the things you can't control. Is there anything in your life that you know if you took control of that and applied all your energy there and achieved it, a year from now you wouldn't care if anybody was, you know, buying any of your art or, you know, whether your husband had come home yet. And I said, I've got to lose this weight. And so... I started with physical commitment and some of my clients come to me that way. You know, some have come to me, you know, the ability to help people lose weight, that's kind of popular, but I don't, I don't broadcast my work in that way because really the transformation had to be much deeper. I, yeah, I might've taken the pounds off, but I wouldn't have kept them off if I didn't figure out what was the void I was trying to fill with all this unhealthy Mm -hmm. food. What was I trying to smother? Mm. What was that? No, it was, it was it was not knowing who I was. It was a fundamental sense of believing I wasn't worthy and I wasn't powerful. And it was like doing everything I could to distract myself from all the many self-esteem fears that pretty much all of us carry. Some of the most accomplished, I mean, if you measure people's success by how much money they make, how big their title is, then honey, I shouldn't have had any self-esteem issues. Mm, right. And yet the reality is often, you know, the people who we look at and think have it all, um, are living that same hamster wheel approach to life that I am. And it may not be a desperation fueled by a near-death experience at birth, but I don't think that's all that fueled mine. I think that was just the beginning. And so you talk about choosing your fuel and, you know, what, what it takes to really keep your core energy going. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, so once I got, once I really started to understand that this had something to do with love, like I say, like what's got love got to do with it, everything. Um, then I pretty quickly encountered the fact that that word love is kind of, kind of tricky and misused and misunderstood. And so as I looked at my own experience and began to get greater clarity so that I could figure out, can I package this? You know, is this have application beyond me and can I help others? Mm-hmm. I get pretty quickly using one of my favorite tools, the Microsoft Word thesaurus function, I went in and looked at uh, synonyms for love. Mm. And in the process, I discovered respect, curiosity, and compassion. Mm. And, grati- and gratitude was the final piece. But the first one's, I think the first one was uh, respect, curiosity, and compassion. Oddly enough, you'd say curiosity. And what I found is that when I showed up with those things, those words helped me get clearer about what does love look like in this moment? Yeah. You know, what does love look like in this business conversation, in this interview, in this book I'm writing, in this person I'm coaching, in this argument I'm having with my husband, in this, you know, whatever. And that I found that when I showed up with res- unconditional respect for myself, compassion, curiosity neutralized that judging voice that tends to show up in our heads that's mm. one form or another saying we're not enough. That when I could come at things with curiosity and compassion and respect, it really shifted my experience. And then finally, the final catalyst to all of it, love sort of initiated that flow I talk about. Mm. But the bookend at the other end was gratitude, that when I showed up knowing everything is an opportunity and just being grateful for all of it and knowing it would unfold if I could relax into it, then things really started to to move in mm. my life. When do you find these days that 
um, you need to remind yourself to have compassion for yourself. You don't think I'm like doing it perfect every moment? <laughs> you must be reading I my just newsletter. Have a feeling. <laughs> yeah, you must be. Reading. Well, you know that many years of a habitual approach. Yeah. You know, and and I tell people the really good news. One of the things that, while it's not appropriate in the context of coaching an individual client, because you always keep the focus on the client, not on your life. You don't. Sure. But. Client people love it when I'm doing public speaking or in my writings, in the book, in my newsletters, in my weekly blog, etc. One of their favorite things is when I tell the latest way I got off track and how I realized it and how I use the very tools that I teach to get me back on track. Mm-hmm. And you know, publishing a book that's a really good example. I published the book, I wrote the book in, in flow and centered in love and no force, and it was great. And then the book is published, and you'd think writing a 266 page meaningful book that Hay House Bubba Press published, you'd think that would be the hard part. The hard part, honey, is afterwards. Because afterwards, it's like, okay, now what? You know, what's going to happen? And just every day, not getting sucked back into the people said, how many books have you sold? I say, I have no idea. I know myself well enough to know I do not want to go out and start looking at those numbers. I'm showing up fully. I'm doing everything. I have a global publicity campaign. I've invested money and time and have professionals helping me spread this message of hope and possibilities, which is really what it's about for me. But I know better than to let myself start getting hung up in the numbers game because I'll end up on a different hamster wheel. It'll be a spirituality hamster wheel, but it'll have the same result. Right, right. You know, when I listen to you talk and I I listen to your energy, I still hear that drive. I still hear that intensity. And, you know, I wonder, you know, is that something that you... um, are do you think it's it's reflective of simply who you are or do you think that that's something that um could shift also you know i'm just it's like the intensity in you it makes me wonder if you've changed like you said you changed uh what you're doing but maybe being on the spirituality heavy duty hamster wheel do you feel that Um, I think that today I am thrilled to be here. And so what you hear today is enthusiasm, is gratitude, is passion. I am passionate. Mm -hmm. Um, So so, uh, what I would say is fulfillment doesn't have to look like being a zombie or or always moving at a slow pace. There's a difference. What your fuel is matters. So if your fuel is love – then you'll see passion in people and enthusiasm. Right. You'll see, you know, I'll, you know, I'm not telling you I never work long hours on stuff. I do, yeah, sure. but I don't use, I don't use force to do it. And it's not a fear that if I don't work hard and I'm not deemed productive today, that, that I will be deemed not worthy. And I think mm-hmm. that's, the, I think that's the big difference. Uh, now, having said that, yeah, I will reinforce that for me because I know how, easily, you know, how natural, even though it was painful, how natural that hamster wheel was that I am very mindful about when force shows up in my mix. So I pay pay a lot of attention to my verbs. If I catch myself saying I have to, or I should, then I'll stop and say, ooh, and where's the fear in that? And what's that fear about? Mm, Yeah, yeah, I I completely get that. Um, You know, I... I wonder about kind of how you how you, how you see yourself. So you have 
got to be looking back on your life and and really, if you have compassion for yourself, really seeing how much you've accomplished, even the part that burned you out, right? You you accomplish so much in the world that defines success in the way that it does. And you stepped right into that. And then to be able to take yourself and transform your successful self out of the pain into another successful self, you know, you've got to be feeling good about your life. I am feeling grateful to be here every day. And the difference is there was a time when I felt a sense of obligation around the whole borrowed time in someone else's blood mindset. Mm. But I had to earn my right. But what I know is that I don't have to earn anything. Mm. That I am worthy. I, um, one of my favorite, I have 45 affirmations that I share in the book through my own personal practice. One of the things that I discovered along the way was was Reiki, and I became a Karuna Reiki master and, and have a very significant practice in my life of really dedicating myself every day and attuning myself and using that energy to just keep myself centered. But what I feel most of all is a sense of awe and wonder and gratitude for the gift of grace. And the gift of, you know, my healing wasn't like I retired one day and then the following month I figured it out. There right. were years of severe, severe, you know, unhappiness in the mm. extreme. And physical, you know, my physical health wasn't good. Well, I wasn't fueling myself nutritionally in a way that was going to help me weather this. And so I'm grateful every day. And I remember that when I, as I went through my own transformation and it shifted from the initial physical transformation, which was pretty darn thrilling in itself, sure. to then spiritual, mental, emotional transformation that happened. I remember that some days I'd like be in my car, headed to lunch or coming back from running errands. And I would sit there and start crying because I was so grateful that all I wanted to do was to find a way to bottle it and give it away to the world. And you know, and eventually life coaching became a path to that. But it's part of why, you know, you know, I too have a Voice America radio show on the Empowerment Channel. And right. in fact, you're going to be on my show. And, <laughs> and um, but I, it's part of why I did the radio show because I could really touch the world. It's part of why I wrote a book because it's got to be one of the most affordable ways to reach people with a message of hope. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, you know, I just, that's it. As far as I'm concerned, I am here to spread this message and touch as many lives as I can, not with a sense of desperation, but knowing that it's all unfolding perfectly every day. How do you rest? I love movies. I absolutely love movies. So that's one of the ways I rest. Um, And my husband loves movies too. So that works out really well. Oh, that is good. I love sewing and creating, and so one of the things that I do that's really fun for me is I do machine embroidery of these interesting designs, and then I've now started adding to them a lot of my inspiration, like a lot of my affirmations I stitch into the blocks, so I wear them on my back, on like on jackets and things, and that's great oh. fun for me. And then the, the three, other than my son and my husband, the three great loves of my life are my current cats, Siddeley, Mortimer, and Maisie Jane. Um, 
And I just adore them in a way that for if you're not a cat person, you would probably have me committed. But I just <laughs> and I get such great joy from just being with them. And they're all they have very different personalities. They're very engaged. In fact, I had to negotiate with Sid before we recorded the show because he wanted to be here in the room. Uh-huh. And that might work, but it might not. So I wasn't going to take that chance. <laughs> well, I'm sure Sid understands. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he, he has to because he was the co-author on the book. The other cat, Maisie, said, you're not on the radio show cat, Sid. I am. so. Okay, a little competition going there. All right. Well, we have more to talk about, Endeavor. I really want to get to um, a piece of the writing you did around a board of, board of directors. We'll be right back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Wealth Solutions for the 99% is a weekly talk show focused on helping you develop and execute a game plan to build wealth. Your host, Paul LaJoy, who built a $50 million-plus company in less than five years, believes it's impossible to be poor in America, and he'll show you why with his innovative strategies. The show is upbeat, fun, and informative. Tune in every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. Are the challenges of economic uncertainty and the pressures of global competition wreaking havoc on your company strategy? To succeed in today's fast-paced, high-tech business landscape, companies must continually adapt while driving innovation and exploiting new opportunities. Listen for Quantum Business Insights with host Olivia Parr-Rudd. Our guests will include thought leaders from around the world discussing and exploring the concepts that will move companies forward in these uncertain times. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. My guest today, Deborah Jane Wells, author of Change Your Energy, Change Your Life. So you have a... Beautiful process, Deborah, to take people through to really shift them from having a, a destructive and fear based life to building from a loved based life, loving oneself, right? One of the elements of your process, um, you talk about you achieve equanimity by having your own personal board of directors. 
Now, most people, when they hear that, who most people who are in the professional career track will say, oh, that's people who, you know, I know who are mentors or who can give me good advice or et cetera. You're talking about a very different type of board of directors. Tell us about this. Yes, and, and it's interesting just before the break that we talked about uh, Sid and Mortimer and Maisie because one of the things I discovered as I was really understanding this board of directors construct is that my cats had even aligned in my life. So each of us has a sage, a guardian, and a muse. So Sid in feline terms is a sage, Mortimer is the guardian, Maisie's the muse. And know that we're not talking about multiple personality disorder. These are, these are essentially um, useful buckets, constructs for grouping families of energy that each of us has, families of competencies and energies inside each one of us. Mm. And that basically, the, the, your sage, guardian, and muse, and they actually have names, and when they get, you get to know them, just like any relationship, they will eventually tell you your names. You won't make them up. Um, but you develop a constructive relationship with them because basically they're here to manage different aspects of your life and your energy. And the sage is all about meaning and is the eternal optimist. The guardian is all about safety and structure and discipline and delivery. And the muse just wants to have fun. The muse is the visionary. She, she, he, they run across uh, energetic gender lines, but um, you know, she just wants to have fun. And like any functional board, you've worked with boards of directors. I know in your work, you know, a functional board is a beautiful and frankly, a rare thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and a dysfunctional board is a frightening and frustrating thing. And so when yeah. your sage, guardian, and muse, when all of your energies are fueled by love, they know exactly how to mix your competencies in any given moment, just like those single lever water faucets that mix hot and cold water for a variety of purposes. But when any one of them gets starts to get gripped by fear, and they each, given what their proclivities are, have different fears. So, for example, the guardian fears chaos. You know, he's not a fan of that. Um, and, the, and the muse fears drudgery and the sage fears that nihilism, the sage fears that maybe none of it has any meaning. And so when they get gripped by fear, then they overreact, as we tend to do in fear. The very things they do to overreact drive the other board members crazy. And the next thing you know, you have this, you know, you have those voices in your head that are telling you you're never good enough. You got to work harder. You're not, you know, and they, and they just foster a life of fear. So these board members, Sage, the Guardian, the Muse, um, can be for our, for the positive side of us. They can support whatever we really want to do in the world, and they can also get in our way. And you know, these are we all have these different aspects, right? We all Absolutely. have the aspects of us that we can draw on. What is the trick to making sure that we? You know, call them up in a way that's useful and help them stay out of the way when it's not. Well, the, the first thing is to pay attention. And that's true. To pay attention to every aspect of your experience and notice what's happening. And I, one of my favorite, uh, my, I have these 14 tools for fostering flow in your life. And one of them is talk to yourself. It's the smartest crazy thing you'll ever do. Um, <laughs> and, and that is to pay attention to your experience. And in fact, when you know you're saying demoralizing things in your head, if you actually say out loud 
what you're saying to yourself, then shortly thereafter, usually I find myself saying, really? You think that's how we're going to encourage and motivate me right now? And so I actually really actively engage them. And I try, you know, I will, I will discern, I will sometimes say, okay, we need board meeting here. Which one of you thinks this approach is the best way to go? And usually pretty quickly, because I work with it a lot, I can figure out, okay, the sage is out of whack, the muse is out of whack, the you know, whatever's out of whack. And then I negotiate, Mm. you know, I negotiate out loud with myself. I know it sounds crazy, but it's incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. So give us an example of a negotiation with yourself. Okay. So here's, here's a, my muse who's named little B. So my, my crew are, um, Claire, Ella, who, when she's fueled by fear is known as cruel Ella or crew Ella, um, and little B because Deborah means the B. Little B's the muse. So um, Ella just wants to work, 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 work all the time. B is really kind of over that. And, and what often happens is B, she just thinks it's not going to be fun. So the first thing I'll say is, what if this is easier than we think, B? And in fact, what if it could be fun if you'll get on board with me? Because you know, if we just leave Ella to do it by herself, she'll just make it you know, a forced march, potentially, if she's afraid. How could we make it fun? How could we just take a baby step? Let's not try to do a whole, you know, let's not say we're going to write for five hours. Maybe we could just figure out this next adjective and get out the thesaurus thing. Or, oh, you know what? What would be fun? And she'll say, like, she likes the colors. She likes the, to do the graphics work on the web pages. So I'll say, oh, why don't you pick all the pictures first? And really, all I'm doing for myself is giving myself positive fuel because early success breeds more success. And then many times when I negotiate B to the table and then Ella's like all over executing a plan and Claire's just there patting them both on the head saying, oh, look, everyone's getting along. Isn't it lovely? <laughs> and and um, then the next thing you know. If it is fun and, and easier than we think, it's done really fast. Or even if it's not done really fast, B's having so much fun and she and Ella are working so well together, which is to say, oh, I'm bringing all the parts of me to the table in a constructive, cohesive, integrated way that it just flow on through. I mean, that's the nights that five hours later, I'll have another whole chapter written to a book or I'll have another whole program designed. And it wasn't force, it was flow. And then when it's done, I'll say, okay, you know what? Tomorrow morning, we're sleeping in. Or you know what? If it's done in the afternoon, it's like, okay, Friday afternoons, I love it when on a Friday afternoon, I can go see a movie for two hours. So you're rewarding yourself. Oh, yeah. We're deeply into And we will, by the way, it's a whole process of baby step. I mean, it could be a minuscule baby step. Oh. Gratitude, celebrate, baby step, because that celebratory fuel foster, moves you forward. And no step is too small to celebrate. The Taj Mahal did not get built in a day, a week, or a month. It got built you know, brick by brick over time. And it stood the test of time because it got built that way. Not in some slapdash mad frenzy. Boy, I can hear clients of yours and clients of mine in that, you know, hard driving fast track world of do, 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 and what have you done for me lately? Um, saying, well, okay, Deborah, nice. You know, uh, yeah, okay, I celebrate little things. But actually, they don't count. It's the big things. I have this huge goal. I have this big deadline, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I am, don't have time to celebrate these little things. So, um, you know, let's move on. I mean, I can just hear this, right? I completely get what you're saying, and I completely agree with what you're saying, and I can just feel our clients just saying, uh, really? 
know. Really? How do you help them with that? I think that, and you know this too, that the relationships we build with people are built on trust. And so people see the transformation in my life. A lot of these people, many of my clients knew me before. Mm. A lot of them didn't. They've just read about me before um, or heard about me before. But, um, and I think that what I asked them to do is if, in fact, they could reach all of those big goals and pretty much love every minute of doing it, and reach the goals, which would they rather do? A forced march and be miserable or reach those goals? And the funny thing is that when you live this way, you're actually more productive because a large part of what blocks this is the fear we bring in, you know, yeah. the fear we put into the fuel mix. And so right. what people find, you know, a woman was working on her master's, the client was working on her master's. And, and I said, what if you didn't? You said, oh, well, you know, I, I can't play until I have the whole thesis written. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, I was in pain just thinking about it. And I said, are you willing to try another approach? And what she found was that when she gave herself grace, when she gave herself breaks, and oh, by the way, these celebrations, we're not talking about going on a 10-day bender. All right. One of my favorite things is out loud, I will say to myself, I totally rock. Like if I finish something, I'll say I totally rock. I'll go pet a cat. You know, I'll go have a drink of water. Maybe I'll stop and yeah. have, a, you know, have a healthy snack. Maybe I'll stop and go to the gym. Or, and when I come back, I'm, I'm recharged. And then those days are so productive. But when I forget to take the time to appreciate myself and my life, then it becomes drudgery. And then, then if I stay in the grip of fear, then I think I have to get back on the hamster wheel to make it. And that's not going to really help me long-term either because, by the way, honey, where did that big career go that I had? It's gone. It's been gone for years. It's all gone. You chose to step away from it. Well, I chose to step away from it, but I didn't build. I built something the experience of which had a lasting positive result, but it wasn't the money I made or even the businesses I built. Um, it, that wasn't the lasting positive result was me learning what I was here to learn so that I could then get to act too and share this message of hope and possibilities with others. Mm. And so as you look at this amazing accomplishment you have achieved with your book and, you know, the, the practice that you've created, the business you've created, and the... Um, you know, you, a following of people who are saying, you have mattered to me, you have changed my life. As you look at that and you look forward into years to come, do you see it transforming? Do you see it evolving in any way? Well, I think that by definition it will. it is transforming and evolving in every moment. And I try to hold myself in that centered place where I'm looking for the indications, like that intuition that said, start with creativity when I was healing. Mm. That intuition, and then I'm a big fan of saying, okay, so three things appear as a possibility on the horizon, and let's say they were individual coaching, group coaching, and write another book. They're possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I'm a fan of is that I sort of sit with them, and there doesn't appear to be fear under any of them. If there's fear, then I go and get curious about what's going on with the fear. 
Um, but then I'll take a baby step in the direction of each and say to the universe, okay, I set my intention to know what there is to know. I'll put a little energy behind each of them. You just send me feedback so I know where to go. And usually the universe is very faithful. It slams the door on one of them. It opens the door wide on the other and stuff just starts to come that supports it. And on the other one, it just sort of cracks the door open and a few little things happen. And then, you know, and yeah. that's kind of how it feels. I don't have a master plan. I don't have a master plan and I don't intend mm-hmm. to ever have one again. The universe mm-hmm. has a master plan. I'm just holding myself wide open and trying to stay in alignment and know that, you know, when I do that, it's all going to unfold in a way that's fabulous beyond anything I could imagine. And that is so different from how you lived your corporate life. You know, that is that, that capacity to not have the master plan, you know, to, to be willing to be open to what shows up. That's hugely different. If yeah. somebody had said that to you when you were 30, becoming partner at, you know, Deloitte, well, how do you think you would have responded? I think that I was always, I, I was at heart in many ways a spiritual child and spiritual person, mm-hmm. and I would have liked to believe and drawn to such things and would have liked to believe it was true, but I don't, I wasn't ready to manifest it. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll bet it's not like there wasn't anybody around saying stuff like that then. We've had sure. great teachers going, sure. you know, go back and look at the great masters and the great teachers. Yeah. They were all saying one, one version or another of this message I'm sharing. It's sure. not really a new message. It's just my spin on it. So I think, I think I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, and now I am, you know, mm-hmm. now I and now you're doing an amazing job of being the message. And that's what I think is so powerful. Um, you know, a lot of people who are out there talking about things, um, and, you know, they'll talk about it uh, and until it loses its cachet, and then they'll talk about the next thing. But you are in the process of being the message. You are literally living it. And, you know, there's no more powerful way of experiencing life and experiencing others that sit across from us than that. So I really appreciate you being here, Deborah. We're getting to the close of the show. We only have another couple minutes. So your book, Choose Your Energy, Change Your Life, how can people find it? It is available at um, online and local booksellers. You can order it from any of the local booksellers. You can find it in the typical places online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and directly from Balboa Press. And one easy way to find it is if you go to my overall coaching website, DJW, as in Deborah Jane Wells, DJWLifeCoach.com, there you will find everything. You'll find a section on my book, all the ways that you can buy it. You can even order autographed copies from me directly. You can find out where I'm going to be appearing, doing book signings. Um, You can also find all about my radio show there. You can find out about my individual and group coaching programs, speaking engagements, PR I have going on. Basically, it's a one-stop shop. It's all there. Thank you for being with us today, Deborah. It has been quite a pleasure. Remember, Thank everyone, you. to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. 
Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.